0: I, for me, anyway, I, I know that there's different, different, for different people, it's different things, but for me, it's a lot healthier to be in a smaller team where you're more collaborative and you are putting so much more effort in, in all the areas of the, of the uh, business rather than just, just your specific role.
1: Hey, okay, hello, welcome everybody. Thank you for coming to our special edition of the Bigger Picture podcast. <laughs> brought to you from Arcata and um, it's an inside look at the businesses that make the art world work and some of the stories behind the people that have helped shape them and today we're joined by Daniel Gallagher who is Shipping Manager and Registrar here at Sadmore, where we are based today. He's been here since 2015 and prior to that worked at Sotheby's and Christie's in their shipping and art transport departments, having worked his way up from technician.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: during that time he witnessed some quite iconic sales, including the Damien Hirst sale um, and the Giacometti Walking Man, which sold for 65 million, is that 65,
0: right? 65, yes. Yeah, I was a technician who actually pointed it out into the room, showing here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, it was one of my uh, one of my crowning moments. For a
1: minute, there I thought you were saying you were the technician that identified it. As I was going to say, that's quite <laughs> a strong start to the show. But
0: <laughs> no, no, just in the auction room, sir. So. Still
1: exciting. Well, lovely to have you here. Um, I wanted to start off really um, trying to understand how you got into the art world. Uh, yes,
0: well, I mean, like uh, I started out as a, you know, my degree was actually in photography, so I was always wanted to be more of a creator in art rather than administrator. Um, but that dream sadly died quite quickly, uh, unfortunately. Um, so we, uh, yeah. Was there
1: a moment of death for your dream? I, or? I
0: think it was when I was writing out my uh, my thesis. I think it was just it, I just knew that everything I was doing was just not as good as the next person on the, in the class. And I was just but I was fine with that, as long as i I knew my path was going to be in the art world, and um, it didn 't need to be creating it, but uh, as long as I could be somewhere in there and th- that 's how I started out so you know the visual side of things I really really liked uh, enjoyed um, doing and, and seeing, and you know I could almost tell when I was a student that uh, being in the dark rooms was the best time for me you know going out and slogging out and taking photographs in the streets and in the, in the um, landscapes was it, it was a chore but then when I was in the dark rooms it was just really you know things came alive if uh, you yeah. know and then that's where the love of the art I mean I do remember I, I studied in a very small city in Salisbury and uh, you know coming up I came to London specifically just to go to art fairs or uh, galleries exhibitions um, and uh, it just sort opened my eyes out to to where what things can be the possibility surrounded
1: by art growing up
0: were your not at all No, no no my no my upbringing was very i don't know it was it was it was Rural. Um, I, I used to, I remember just running in the fields, maybe like Theresa May walking, running in, the, <laughs> running in there. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was very rural. It was beautiful, um, bucolic, uh, idyllic, almost, but very boring. Um, so you know, wanting to come out to where, where things actually happen. Uh, but no, uh, yes, my you know, uh, the, there was no nothing exciting happening in my life at the time, and uh, so London, London was calling. It's t- drawing me.
1: I think a lot of art world careers have started in that way, so (laughs) not Theresa May, fortunately. (laughs) Um, So your dream has died. Yes. But you're still ambitious about art. Um, yeah. What's your next step and how do you get into so,
0: it? So I started, after that, after I knew that I didn't want to be a photographer. But then, okay, I wanted to stay in the photography world. I became a technician at one of the um, uh, studio in Parsons Green. And, uh, again, that was a, it was a, nine, a short nine-month contract, but it was a, just an eye-opener, beautiful, really great crew of people around you, people doing exactly the same things as you. They, they, you know, they knew there was only a nine-month contract, and it was just living life and being in that creative world um, and being amongst creatives, I think, that was one of the uh, draws for me. And,
1: and then straight into a bigger auction house?
0: Uh, no, no then I did my master's degree in con- uh, curating contemporary design so that's, that's say. it yeah. so that's when I decided that uh, you know, okay, I want to do some more create, uh, curating, I want to be part of organising um, parts of the art world, I mean uh, it just sort of steering me in that way, I did that at Kingston um, University, um, which is a great course uh, with, uh, aligned with the design museum and and um, yes from there that's when I started you know wanting to go into the uh, you know the wider world of art and uh, that's when I started at uh, Sotheby's actually it was 20 yeah, the autumn of 20 or 2008 and uh, that's uh, it was just again really incredible we got thrown into uh, the Damien Hirst sale I think we were talking about it just before
1: yeah I mean it's made me feel really old <laughs> yes um, but that's quite a while ago now it was um, I mean like what I, a moment
0: I wasn't like, the youngest technician there but I was uh, definitely one of the most enthusiastic <laughs> so uh, yeah it was good
1: so 2008, uh, for those of us that remember, um, quite heady days, quite an exciting sale. It marked a real moment. Damien Hirst yeah. doing curating his own show. That's right. So yes. an auction directly followed quite quickly, I think, the next day, if I remember. It was the day by before
0: the, the sale, I think. And then everyone was thinking, um, if Lehman Brothers has crashed, um, how is this going to affect the art market? How is this going to affect the sale? You know, And, and as a technician, you get to hear everybody in the back rooms. You get to hear the... Well, the, the you know directors are saying the specialists are I have saying I called
1: you I was writing an article <laughs> on it that day I could have got the inside um,
0: but everyone was just like no no it's going to be fine it's, everything's fine. and it was the, the sale was incredible I think uh, the final sale was 115 million pounds um, you know the day sale and the evening sale so it on paper it did incredibly well uh, and uh, something that we could be proud of but then you know the cracks started to show, and you know there were things were happening that behind the scenes, which you know again as a technician you sort of just hear whispers in, in the in the back rooms. So you don't uh, you're not part of the uh, conversation, but you have conversations about that. So.
1: I mean, many, many people start out as technicians or various sort of roles within these major auction houses. It's not just, I'm guessing, the skills you develop, it's who you're meeting, as you say, the conversations you're hearing.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, um, I found it was just... The best place for me like a melting pot to find out all of the different aspects of the art world uh, and because the art world is is encompasses so many different um, uh, facets that uh, you know we were I was very good friends with administrators in the Islamic department in the book mm-hmm. department in the impressionist and you know you, uh, you know I'd have, I was a technician in arrival so all of the items coming in I would be unpacking and then taking my trolley all across the building and seeing all these different uh, people and saying this is your, you know, this is your item here and uh, it, 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 incredible, very, very fantastic time um, to be had, I think. So,
1: and then uh, you moved straight to Christie's from there.
0: Well, so the technician side of things, I was three years as a technician um, as a registrar. As a, registrar was a different word, you know, it has a different terminology in auction houses. It's more of a glorified sort of technician with a with a uh, tape measure. What uh, that, paperwork. Uh, well, yes, a little bit more paperwork, but a lot more stress than a normal uh, technician. And then, <laughs> and then I decided that uh, I've had enough of that. I want to go into actual, you know, moving things logistically around. So I went to the shipping department and I was there for two years, I was in imports, had again, Great crew around me. I mean, one of the best things about being in, in such a tight knit team is, is the, the people, and uh, it's always the worst when you leave. It's, the, it's always the people you leave behind. Um, but uh, yes, so I did the imports in, um, in Sotheby's and then I moved to Christie's. And um, if you are in that world, I think that it's one of the best things you can do is move from one auction house to the next because you get yeah. garden leave, and it was just the best <laughs> Not thing. Not what I was
1: expecting you to say. <laughs> no, but no, uh... still great.
0: <laughs> and uh, but it was just it was uh, again it was a different atmosphere. I think I didn't gel as much when I was at Christie's. It was a very um, a little bit more sterile um, because in Sotheby's everyone was in in uh, one building. Um, the shipping department uh, was in one building with with all of the other departments. Uh, if I went, when I went to Christie's the first time, well, actually, not the first time, when I moved there, we were working in Oxford Street. So, so far away from King Street, it was mm-hmm. nowhere near um, anything. And we did feel very much like a satellite um, f- uh, to the mothership. So, we, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it as much, I have to say. But still had some very good experiences there.
1: And probably learned quite a lot in terms of the shipping and some of the yes. issues that you've brought. I guess the next step was here to Sladmore is that yes, right? Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So I've been Sladmore now eight years so it's been quite a... It was Sotheby's at five years, Christie's for two and then here now eight years.
1: And I mean during that time the market has changed quite a lot. Um, yes. I'm not an expert in terms of the shipping, the export imports, so don't get too detailed with me. Um, but in terms of the shifts, obviously the biggest one that comes to my mind is Brexit. I'm going to yeah. jump straight in early in the podcast <laughs> of Brexit. Sure.
0: Because
1: for you, when you heard that news, professionally, that must have been quite a moment. Uh,
0: yes. I mean, like, um, I think we when we were setting up uh, Masterpiece, it was uh, 2016, and uh, I'd only been here a year. And uh, I just remember it was one of those moments where, you know, you're surrounded by so many. You know, Masterpiece was set up by uh, the the setup is done by a Dutch company, and you're you know surrounded by all the Europeans. And I think we were just very shocked. Everyone was just super shocked on the on the uh, shop floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just going around. Everyone was in a daze, thinking this is incredible. Professionally speaking, it was it, you don't realize what was going to happen. Everyone, you know, there was um, nothing was you know. <laughs> nothing was sorted out. You had no idea what was going to be said because there were so many conflicting things at the time um, and it was only until you know, later on it started to become clearer that this is going to be a lot more difficult than anybody thought it was going to be hmm. so um, yeah Brexit has has changed the landscape when it comes to, to art market, I mean in a lot of ways it's changed, in a lot of ways it's just um, either stayed the same but become a lot more intense as well
1: What so. do you mean by so intense? So let's talk about someone who's never done shipping or transporting yep. art Um day to day in terms of the gallery, what has shifted since Brexit you know, in terms of doing fairs in the UK or your day-to-day role what are the sort of impacts being felt well, or the changes positive or otherwise?
0: yeah I mean I <laughs> Because we use our shippers, they've taken the brunt of all of the uh, imports and exports. So um, anything coming into the UK, you know, they've had to do all of the shipping paperwork for us. Um, but we've had to do all a lot more um, paperwork when it comes to storing all of the all of the uh, items and all of the uh, entries and everything. And since since Brexit has actually happened in twenty twenty one, um, my paperwork has just gone through the roof. When something is so easy, so simple. It's just to go from, uh, you know, London to Paris. You know, costs have gone up, uh, you know, triple, quadruple Mm. the amount. The timings as well. If I send something via FedEx or or DHL to Italy, um, again, they get stuck in Italian customs. And instead of being next day, it's it's two weeks. uh, And you're calling them up every day to find out. Have, uh, have you got the right information? Um, have they done something right? Have they, you know, has the client got in contact? What can I do to make sure this goes to the client? You know, this is, this is an artwork worth thousands of pounds or, you know, a book, even if it's just a book going into Italy. I've just had a shipment of, you know, three books that went to a place and it took two weeks to get there. Wow. It's incredible. Um, and it's, you know, I don't, you know, is it Brexit? Well, yes, it is, because they, those all of those barriers would not be there without Brexit.
1: But to what extent do you feel like those are sort of early pains of trying, as we're still working things out, or to what extent do you think you know, those sort of challenges are here to stay?
0: No, those challenges yeah. are here to stay, absolutely. Um, no, I, I don't see how, unless we do get, you know, I, I know that I keep abreast of the news of what's happening, uh, unless we do change our um, relationship, our trading relationship with the EU. These, all of these things are, in my opinion, um, not going to get better. And it's just something that we have to live with. And, and it's something which I think that as as a shipping manager in, in a very small gallery, um, we've, you know, I've, I've uh, had to put up with it. There's no other way. There's you know we can't. You know, there's, there's no space to get another person in to do um, extra work. So you know it's just having to you know knuckle down and actually do it. Uh, and most of the time it's doing entries, um, TA entries. You know uh, we've got a lot more uh, TA uh, temporary admission items coming in. No
1: acronyms here, please. Sorry, yeah. of course
0: bonded warehouse and temporary admission coming in. So that again my workload has gone up because of all of that. Um, I. Do do my own you know to save money we do our own um, import entry you know uh, diversions between temporary admission and bonded warehouse yeah. um, and you know that, that is takes up a lot of time I have to say, though, that in this instance, in our gallery uh, specifically, because we are very lucky to have a temporary admission account and a bonded warehouse, that um, we, I don't think we've borne as much of a brunt of um, Brexit as galleries who don't, because yeah. they will have to pay the import VAT straight away for import. Um, we don't do that. We import it straight onto our TA. We don't have to uh, front up the money to um, pay the import VAT, yeah. and we've got two years To either sell it, pay the VAT, or export it.
1: Okay, that makes. And I guess another, not positive. Yeah, let's go for positive. Let's be positive. obviously the shift with Brexit, but one of the things during your time as well, it's shifted quite a lot, is the sort of tech platforms and assistance and tools you've got out there to help with your role, so obviously Mm -hmm. our Carter, when we talk about it um, sorry, I was about to do an acronym anti-money laundering (laughs) checks and things a little bit later, but also, you know, there's a lot more logistics platforms they must to some extent be easing or helping to facilitate your role
0: Yes, I mean like as much as they can do, I mean like I'm very much of a yeah, you know, a bit of an old school i guess even though i you know I'm, I'm, i don't look that old uh, I, I i like the fact that i can talk to somebody i pick up the phone to a shipper to pick up the phone to uh, my agents and uh, we can have a conversation about how to do things but yes uh, there's a lot more technology coming in to help us with to streamline that whole instead of Waiting on a shipper to get you a particular quote, and they've got to call up their agent or the um, or the uh, freight agent. Um, you can just do it online. There's lots of places, and we've started. You know, I recognise that this is actually the way forward because because of the time extra time that's needed to do everything else then we need to find things find ways to, to make sure our lives get a lot easier uh, in 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 yeah, in other ways so to save some time so yes you're right uh, there are tools out there I mean it's fantastic you know I can put in the uh, the dimensions I put in uh, the, the value and, and where it's going to go and then ping There I comes mean, even up 10
1: a... years ago that's hard yeah. to imagine as yeah. a... and exactly. we were joking about AI earlier but yeah. <laughs> obviously I Jobs will be a whole lot easier in exactly. another ten years time, hopefully.
0: Yeah. But um, just uh, just a, a you know a little uh, thing on that one though is that because of some a lot of the value as well, it, the value that we have, especially like for example shipping a, a Bugatti um, you can't just have that. Um, Technology, You do have to have somebody on the end of the phone because, you know, something which is over, you know, certain value, you have to make sure that it's done right with the person there, not, not on AI. So the smaller items, I think, is, is great, but you still need to, you know. And I
1: think, yeah, and I think that's something that runs through a lot of conversations in the art world around tech generally and yep. digital platforms. It's very much something extra for the market yeah. or markets rather than a replacement for those human relationships.
0: I can see it in the future happening. I mean, like um, absolutely having a lot more automation and uh, the shipping companies because they don't want to be running around all the time finding out the, the best quotes with the, with mm. the airlines, etc. You know, they want to, I think they would have to streamline it as well. So it should make our lives easier for, you know, to contact them to find out how, what the best prices are as well. So I can see it happening. Right now, I think it's just a, it's a mixture of both um and um but yeah anything to make our lives easier i mean it's it really is uh i like that
1: yeah i like that (laughs) um in terms of making your life easier let's talk about a pandemic always Mm -hmm. helpful for everyone's um lives we've talked about quite specific detailed things sort of brexit and all the implications around that and tech they're quite specific but i'm Thinking now about like broader behavioral changes in the market, to what extent that's um, changed it. And obviously, we've had a global pandemic. But we also can't really ignore this huge movement towards sustainability you know a concern for climate change and mm-hmm. this idea about an art world that was running on god knows how many art fairs a year yeah. before the pandemic you know that had an incredible toll on the professionals working in it but also increasingly we're aware of the environmental impact to what extent have those sort of behavioral changes or thought processes impacted how you do your role and what's expected of it
0: I mean, it is changing. I mean, like, I, I again have been trying to bring in and, and work with companies who uh, have a lot. Better environmental goals, and there's, there's no, unfortunately, there's no two ways about it. It's, it's a quite a, you know, environmentally intensive business that we're in. Um, especially when you do art fairs, uh, you do, you know, there's so much wastage that goes on. Um, luckily, you know, in our art fair, at least, especially when we were at Masterpiece, we were using the same elements that we were using uh, for quite a lot of our shows. Um, so we weren't specifically throwing anything out um, as much as we could anyway. Uh, so you know, I do, you know, a lot of the, a lot of, oh, as well as the expense of it, uh, I know that it was just, it's just wasteful. There's there's so much. I mean, I know the carpets and in, in uh, all these art fairs, they just get put into the bin. You get, oh really?
1: Uh, I could do those. Yeah,
0: I know, I know. I, had some people actually come in and uh, <laughs> just fit out their house, and it's like great. Um, but no, they they you know a lot of those just uh, just get. Thrown away in, into landfill, so yeah, there's a lot of things I think the art world should do. Um, and us as a as a small um, operator, we try to be as much as you know environmentally friendly as we can. You know, recycling when we can, using our crates. Um, you know, we we keep all our small crates to make sure that we can ship our own items, um, not get them remade uh, or new ones made up. So it's it is a. It, it's a bit tough to um, completely go green. Like, go one hundred percent green in the. Well, it's tough on your group. own. I'm
1: guessing because with any gallery, particularly one of the smaller to medium one, you're working with the pace of the rest of the market to some extent and your expectations from clients so I guess my broader question is you know with a pandemic there was a whole moment of reflection Mm. in all sectors um, but also around sustainability do you think the pace overall of the market and the expectations around shipping for example shipping things to clients to see something before purchasing Mm. rather than just upon purchasing it do you think that pace has slowed or shifted at all
0: Um, I mean with our gallery I I can only talk about our gallery here um i 've got to say that there has been a lot more you know i, I think that there has been more um contact online making sure this rather face to face on zoom to yeah. uh, to to have all of these it's obviously we're we're talking about tactile items now i mean if you're in a i would imagine if you're in a picture gallery um you know there's a lot more uh, manageable to do that uh, to show things online when you've got something which is a 3D shape Mm -hmm. um, you do have to have you know it's going to be a centerpiece in somebody's room which people are going to be walking around Um, you know there are technologies that we can do you know have a 3D um, imaging on an item we haven't got there just yet in this gallery but it's something that you know we could we are potentially looking at uh, to do on our website Um, that hopefully could help with the with the way that uh, we sell items to, to clients and they can see things directly, you know, how it would look, um, you know, uh, in there, but it's not something that we've actively pursued right this second, it's more more just um, you know, this is what we would like to achieve Hopefully that there's something in there that we can um, start to use instead of you know, breaking out on our own to do that. And you
1: are also to some extent waiting to see the collectors or the buyers exactly. needs and respond to that. I don't know, do you see any change there? And obviously there's different generations of buyers coming through and how they behave.
0: Um, again, I mean, like uh, with with the shipping side of things, I I haven't really seen that much of a change when it comes to, um, you know, from, again, from our our, our gallery and our clients. Um, we've got a few new clients. And, again, it is, I have noticed that we haven't been sending things out to New York on a speculative, um, you know, on a speculative, are you going to buy it or not? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, that, that in itself, it's just, it's, It is the cost, but it's also, you know, the the fact that, you know, luckily that ties in with the environmental side of it. And we can say, you know, hang on, is this really necessary to do this? If it's just on a, you know, on a speculative uh, request, and then if it doesn't get bought, then, you know, but there are items there are times when you have to do it I mean like there are clients out there who you know you know that they're not going to buy it until they see it um, so which is
1: fair enough yeah so then I think if I ever had the money for a yeah. major artwork I would like to see it beforehand exactly
0: yeah but uh, I think that it's uh, yeah, you're absolutely right it 's a part of the art world and especially in a, in a sculpture gallery that 's something that we can um, look into and get much more um, better at but I think that we are trying to do as many things as we can uh, you know with with the shipping side the crates the uh, making sure that the uh, you know the materials we use are sustainably uh, sourced uh, they 're not um, by you know they are biodegradable so yeah i guess if there is yeah there's a few shippers still. Using you know those plastic you know those pellets and and I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> we get them in sometimes and it's just it's just horrible just knowing that what what it, what it's made out of and and stuff but yes it is a very good packing material but it's it's very uh, it's just my heart sinks when I open up a open up a box and it's just all these plastic pellets. For
1: the and this isn't um, a defence of the pellets we all hate the pellets but you know these businesses they're running on tight margins yeah. a lot of the time I think and that's what's quite interesting in your role all the all the areas you look at and we're going to talk about compliance and due diligence in a minute but you know these are hard economic times there's been a lot of shifts over the last 10 years and yeah. um, Making conscious decisions around even the packing materials you use, and you know it costs money. Absolutely, and it's not something that's.
0: No, absolutely. I think that um, you know there are obviously different um, uh, different things out there that you can buy, uh, and uh, inevitably, unfortunately, some of the greener ones are going to be more expensive. But you know there are things that we have to make a choice um, to do. Um, you know, I know that uh, costs are going up. Costs are going up everywhere, I mean, with the shipping alone. Um, so yeah, right. Yeah. We, we do need to get, uh, you know, better quality. But if it wasn't an option to buy those pellets and there was a cheaper, I don't know, paper alternative, cardboard alternative, there are out there. I mean, I've, I've, you know I, I sort of rejoice when i open a box and it's just full of um, cardboard uh, you know uh, shredding your day
1: and, sounds so exciting it is
0: it is <laughs> you, you have no idea um so it's, it's it is good uh, so it is one of those uh eureka moments sometimes it's like this is fantastic so yeah uh,
1: okay now we've touched on it we're going to delve into it other part of your role around compliance yes. due diligence mm-hmm. quite a bit of your role I imagine these days
0: yes it is um, I mean it's, as a small team in a small gallery we are very much Everybody has to be uh, know what they 're doing with compliance, um, Unfortunately, the onus comes to me to make sure that it all gets done right, but um, it is a team effort when it comes to um, doing all of these you know i 'm not one of the sales teams, so they have to do their part to make sure that they receive all of the um, all of the uh, right information and i 'm the one who 's going to be processing it, making sure that they 've done it correctly um, when it comes to a, uh, anti-money laundering uh, it, it's, it's very it, yes it, it, it's, I think that it was one of those scenarios which you'd never envisaged um, until it was actually just coming it was just round the corner 2019 December at the
1: start of your career even though you were working these sort of roles presumably not a big subject area at all to some extent obviously doing due diligence and checks more around provenance and things but mm-hmm. this anti-money laundering must have come in about midway to your career in a, in a real way yes
0: absolutely I mean like um, I know that when I was working at uh, Sotheby's um, there was you know we again because of uh, the, the, the way that we all work together uh, very much a part of the compliance team as well we used to chat to them it was security compliance and we'd be in touch with the lawyers. As well, especially as a shipper, as well, you know, in the shipping department, uh, how are we going to ship things um, without, you know, ruining it with the client, etc. Um, so yes, the, we did touch on that, but it wasn't a big part of my world, and I don't think it was so much um, so much a thing until sort of our carter was knocking on our door saying AML is going to be put in soon you need, <laughs> get to, uh, you need to get ready um, and it wasn't, it wasn't so much like a, alarm bells ringing because it, again it wasn't something that we were expecting but it was like actually no they're making much, a lot of sense this, this, this uh, you know on paper it makes so much sense to, we don't want to be part of the um, you know, laundering money for people it, This will be- So was
1: that the first time because I'm trying to remember back there was before the sort of legislation was updated etc There was a lot of discussion about anti-money laundering. Um, again,
0: I was, it was not on my radar because I maybe was maybe it's uh, in my geeky
1: world there was a lot of yeah it <laughs>
0: wasn't it was just I think that um, with 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 anti-money laundering and especially in my role in shipping it wasn't uh, it's just something that we weren't really looking at that's I interesting guess. Okay. Uh, and again being a uh, being a, a smaller gallery uh, it just wasn't you know yes of course we want, don't want to be part of uh, a uh, money laundering syndicate it's something which uh, no one wants to be um, but it, we we just didn't have the knowledge, the tools, we didn't um, have the, uh, you know, there was no rumblings about it that I heard of, um, you know, maybe maybe one article, two articles here in the, in the art newspaper, but um, <laughs> it wasn't something that, it, it, almost, it was almost like, this is not going to happen to us.
1: Yeah, it doesn't always feel real, I guess, until there's a case exactly. or... An impending legislation sort of deadline, which obviously came exactly. about later.
0: But so um, you know, when and uh, I think that we were one of the first um, people to to go onto the platform, and it was it was revelatory. I think it was one of those things that opened our eyes up. Actually, we are very much um, you know there are things that we are vulnerable to, and we do need to safeguard ourselves for mm. that. Um, and uh, I'm just you know the, the, you were t- we were talking earlier about uh, online tools it's one of these online tools which are is actually a fantastic way just to um, you know make it streamlined to make it easy to do the things that uh, you know, do our jobs make it easier
1: well it's quite interesting the, the the way you're talking there about safeguarding your business, you mm. know, being vulnerable, it's very different to a lot of other discussions across the art world around feeling, I think, quite targeted by anti-money yes, laundering station, quite the, defensive about
0: it. That is the other... Side of it as well, because um, while from my point of view, as a, as a uh, you know, somebody in, in uh, the logistics side of it, it does make a lot of sense, but from the business side of it, I know our director is, and, and a lot of directors of, of galleries, especially the smaller mm-hmm. uh, galleries the medium sized to small galleries, are it's, uh, why does the onus have to come onto us uh, to police something which uh, really the, the uh, you know that should be the government should be doing something about rather than um we are we are the sort of the policemen the, the, we are the gatekeepers of of this information and then if we don't tell on these particular um clients or this uh, this scenario, then we're the ones who's going to be um put into into the dock um, and yes. it's, it's
1: quite unusual for u k law to put that onus like yes. you've got a duty. Absolutely. To report, it's quite a strong piece of legislation.
0: It is absolutely, and I think that um, you know it's legitimate to say that uh, you know this, this the anti money laundering laws that have come in has, has been very you know has been very sp- strict, very a bit too um, strenuously um, you know ad- the way that we have to adhere to it has been uh, implemented too strongly. We think you know it's again. On paper, everything is—you is, uh, know—we it's, it's a scenario that we obviously don't want to be part of the money laundering. But uh, it, for us, all of the um, all of the uh, everything to come back onto us as a small independent gallery, it's uh, it's quite uh, daunting. Yeah, know?
1: and when you say strong, that, do you mean there in terms of, I guess, the sort of the language and the tone of the legislation and the sort of fear mongering it creates? Yes. Rather oh, yes. than the sort of necessarily the paperwork or the sort of um, the work it creates, you mean more that or both?
0: Well, I mean the work it creates is 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 a pain. Obviously, trying to get um, the uh, client to give information which they're not naturally inclined to do.
1: Not um, after so many years working in the art world where you don't have to. Yeah, it's a bit of a exactly shock, sure. exactly.
0: Um, so, but it's. I, I think that uh, it was. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like uh, that part of it. Is, the, the, you know, my director is more of a uh, anti anti money laundering person <laughs> when it comes to things like that. But we, we do understand that it has to be done. It's not something we should we take lightly. Um, something that uh, you know we very much uh, adhere to as many things as we you know legally we have to do. But it is it, draining. Um, the clients are not so, you know. Some clients. Luckily, we haven't had that many clients who've said, "Why do you need this?" You know, they're, if they're American or if they come from um, outside of Europe, you know, even Europeans. They a lot of Europeans don't um, realize that uh, it's an EU-wide directive. It's not just um, you know when it was put wow. in. It was uh, it was supposed to be for the, yeah, everybody, and it just seems like the UK has has been the only one of the, well, not the only, but it's been the art market which has uh, taken it as, as um, you know, taken it on board so strongly.
1: Do you feel, do you feel part of that, though, a client's not getting more used to it because obviously banks, a lot of us are getting that sort of due diligence, you know your customers sort of dialogue with a lot of other sectors we engage with now, so estate agents, banks can't yeah. think of anything else because I don't do a lot of luxury shopping <laughs> but a lot of other sectors have to do these sort of compliance checks now is it not becoming more common for clients
0: It is. no it's becoming more common and a lot of clients do literally just say here's my, um, yeah. here's my ID here's uh, everything that you need and that's fantastic um, but you know going back to what um, you know what. AML or anti-money laundering is is uh, meant for. I mean, like, yes, the art world is is a uh, is a place where we need to uh, to look at. But why are other luxury areas not being targeted by um, HMRC when it comes to uh, anti-money laundering? You know, I for think example, like um, uh, antiques are not part of the anti-money laundering. Yeah. I, I don't believe watches are um, either, uh, or even jewelry. Yeah. So you know, it's it, it's. You know, those are commodities which are a little bit easier to um, possibly, you know, uh, hide and, and take uh, away from. I mean, as a reputable gallery, uh, we we feel that it is unfairly put on to us to to uh, re- regulate all of this when, you know, it, we don't feel like it needs to. But like I said, we're very happy with how we're doing it. We've got our policies in place. we've got our procedures in place. Um, we're following them, um, and again, it's just becomes part of your daily life it yeah. doesn't it, you don't feel the drag um, of it um, as much anymore in fact probably we don't feel the drag of it at all because
1: so. what's sort of quite interesting about your role is your role sort of encompasses a lot of areas that I'm trying to phrase this nicely um, unnerve a lot of people uh, <laughs> for example not a lot of people necessarily run towards import and export regulations AML yeah, Pedro, just it. so it, <laughs> I guess what's quite interesting, if you've got a sales team that's really driving, mm. do you find yourself often being the person that, oh, I've got to slow it down because we've got to do this, got to do is, is yeah. Internally, is it an.
0: Um, yeah, no, internally. Well, uh, again, in the early days, uh, even early days, even from six months ago, it was very much trying to say, "Guys, have we done this? Yeah. This is the way that we we really need to work now. It's uh, there's it no ifs or buts. It's we do need to make sure that before we take payment, we've got to get all of the uh, all of the um, things. So you know, if things uh, go awry, then at least we've got our. Our procedures in place to make sure that we can still, uh, you know, uh, adhere to all of the rules that's going on. But yeah, no, it, it's been a struggle. I mean, like, I um, mean, the art world is a is a is a very much of a network of old school, um, you know, old school network of of different galleries of of, of different, um, you know, art market participants. So it, it's a it's a very it's a very uh, Small net of people that work there, and and uh, I guess that uh, you know hopefully with with, uh, with a lot of more you know if if younger people come into it, then you know then all of this will just be normal. It yeah. will just be normal. But it's, it's, it's like it's,
1: anything. Tax returns, right? The first few times are horrendous, and then yeah. mildly less horrendous as you <laughs> go through it a few times. <laughs> exactly.
0: So it's it's just normalizing it now, I guess, um, and it's just the way that we have to do work.
1: I guess what's quite interesting about your role is. I guess within a gallery, you're almost like the face of that balance between compliance and regulations and Mm -hmm. pushing the business forward, which must be quite an interesting position to hold in a team.
0: (laughs) Well, yes, it is. I mean, like, I'm I'm very much, uh, you know, again, I'm not part of the sales team, uh, but I'm very much inside that team where I'm, I'm really pushing to make sure that, especially my side is covered um, and uh, they, that they are uh, you know, making sure that they do everything they can do. Uh, you know, they, when when I say sales team, there's, there's four, four people doing the, the real sales going I think that's what we forget sometimes about exactly.
1: businesses, especially it's around... <laughs> complies and stuff, the really small team of these businesses. Yeah, small, be, yeah ex- exactly.
0: So we're very, you know, uh, but because we're such a small team, it, everybody just chips in everywhere. You know, we I don't think there's anybody here who doesn't know what AML, uh, anti-money laundering, it's sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, we don't, you know, who doesn't know what that is, who, who doesn't know what temporary admission is or bonded warehouses or um, all of the others because, you know, it all just bleeds into one. It all, everyone just, uh, it's like osmosis. You just uh, get things from other the people, you know, I'm, I'm not a researcher, but I know what the researcher, you know, a lot of what she does. Um, I couldn't do it as well, and I probably couldn't do it, but I do know the mechanics of how she does her work, you know. And so the
1: purpose of it. it's understanding exactly. the of everyone's role in the Exactly, treatment.
0: yeah. And, you know, working in a big Sort of a monolithic uh, company like uh, like Christie's and Sotheby's, you don't get that so much. Um, I have to say that when I moved to this um, gallery, we were you know I came back off the back of seven years of a, of two massive corporations and being a very small cog in a in a very big machine, uh, you know. And I th- one of the things that I wanted to say was when I was uh, you know it left Christie's and it's like you know that's it, I'm done. Is that Working for here, I, if I want to talk to the boss, he just sits uh, down there and it's like, hello, how are you doing? You
1: should try freelance. That's
0: great. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Um, and, but, uh, you know, it, Christie's, it was, you know, 25 levels and, um, of, of, uh, you know, you might get to see them at the back of a room at a Christmas party when they're doing a talk, but you never get that. In you the don't... press
1: release. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, much, I, for me, anyway, I, I know that there's different, different for different people. It's different things, but for me, it's a lot healthier to be in a smaller team where you're more collaborative and you are putting so much more effort in in all the areas of the, of the uh, business rather than just just your specific role.
1: And you've, we've mentioned specifically sort anti money laundering there, and we've we'll talked about what like a highlight of career is you're very welcome to say anti-money laundering legislation oh it yes absolutely be, but um, reflecting back, <laughs> not that you're retiring but if you're looking at your career today you've already mentioned a couple of major shows but what mm. would you say is like the biggest achievement or highlight um well
0: i think the highlights for sure is when you're working in a environment where it's uh, you know, you are part of really intrinsic part of that team and, and working in Sotheby's, um, for this, uh, for the team itself, for, for the technicians, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie that happens, you know, between yeah. all of us and then uh, between the administrative, uh, side as well and between some of the, you know, uh, some of the admin. It's, it's, it was a really great time, I think, that for me being a technician at Sotheby's um, do we get burnt out? A few times, yes, and you know, you, you decide that's, you know, there are times when to move on, but I think for me is when Working in a collaborative environment is, is where I've shone the best, um, and this again, working in this gallery has been um, one of collaboration, which is a, one you know has been one of the highlights as well. Um, I, there's not one particular. I mean, my me- unfortunately, my memory's not it uh, doesn't work. Like you, you, asked me a question about what's the favourite part. I, I don't do that. What's my favourite film? I've got about twenty. You know, so I, I, you can't you can't uh, just say there's one moment in my life where it's, uh, as is going to be that. But yes, I think part of being part of a team where we're all focused on a certain goal certain you know putting a sale up you know like my first sale with Damon Hurst that was just a real magical that's a great time. way to start oh, it, was, it was incredible okay. absolutely incredible I don't you know looking at the auctions now I haven't seen something so you know singular I guess um, like that um, you know it was there was yeah the stories I could tell you about uh, that that particular sale itself was uh, it, it's just really fantastic really good so
1: and any advice?
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I think that, uh, you know, being the, going the route that I did, um, I think, again, we were talking about before trying to do the um, uh, intern uh, way was not the way that I could achieve what I wanted to do. Um, you know, it was just not, I was not part of that uh, that world, I guess. And, and doing it uh, from the ground up has definitely taught me a lot of things you know um, being being a technician um, Sotheby's and then working your way up in the in the businesses I think it's just applying yourself as much as you can Um, and you know, it, it works for some people. I know that somebody who's, uh, it was a technician with me at the same time as Sotheby's, he's now a director in, in one of the uh, big uh, major, uh, departments. So I'm, you know, it, it's, if you're following, if you're following that part, then fantastic. But I would certainly say if anybody wants to be part of the art world, you know, if they can try to get into uh, into a, a low position, especially when you're young. I mean, like um, obviously, if I'm 41 years old and I want to be a technician, it's going to be start just starting out. It's going to be tough. But if you're young and if you just come out of university, I would say, yeah, go for it and, and see where it takes you. Um, yeah, That's quite
1: normal in the art world. I think I know mean, so many people that have started out with technician or, as you say, interns. But there are a lot of different routes in. And yes. I think it's a flexible enough network. And it's so reliable on who, like, not who just who you know, but relationships. Oh, yes. It does allow for that career growth. It's not ambitious absolutely. enough.
0: Yeah and uh, and that that's uh, the best thing I mean like uh, I know when we have interns or um, when we have work experience here you know it is one of the things I say to them you might not work out you know it, it you know you might not even go down that route so I know our director again he uh, hasn't gone hasn't had any auction house experience um yet a lot of uh, people in in his position who run a gallery yeah. own a gallery um perhaps have started out at um, auction houses yeah. uh you know it's it's but you know it it's the way that things go. You you get to see so many, it opens up your eyes to so many different um, uh, facets of the art world um, and and antiquities. And, you know, I remember wine, you know, I know nothing about wine apart from where I like to drink it sometimes, but, uh, you know, you that's get to enough. know about, yeah, that's <laughs> enough. But, uh, you know, there's the intricacies of that. So, you know, the books side of it, it's, it's, it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating working there. And I think that is possibly starting out, is, is yeah, that, that's where. I have the fondest memories.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I, I hope everyone's feeling inspired. Um, if you'd like to listen to this online, we'll be uploading it afterwards. But for now, I just want to say thank you to Daniel and for everyone for joining us. Right.
0: Thank you.